chapter 11. Seems like it's been some time since I brought a message to us about prayer, and I wanted to do that tonight. We're going to read verses eleven through thirteen, uh, verses one through thirteen of chapter eleven. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, "Lord, teach us to pray." as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I want you to notice that in verse 1 we are told two things. We're told, first of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ prayed. And it came to pass that as he was praying, we're told, first of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ prayed. We know that he was here in this world as the servant of the Lord. He is the God-man mediator between God and men. And while he was here, he prayed. And this alone is an example to all of us. If he felt the need, if he knew the need to pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? Think about that. The Lord Jesus Christ praying. If he needed to pray, how much more 
and you and I need to pray. So that's the first thing we're told in this verse is that our Lord prayed. He is an example unto us in all things. And certainly he's an example to us in this, in this matter of praying. The second thing that we see in this first verse is that one of his disciples asked him to teach them to pray. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, we might be prone to think that it is only a young, a new believer who needs to be taught to pray. I remember asking men at various times, new men, new believers, if it were all right if I called upon them to pray. I think we have a tendency to think that only young believers, only new believers might need to be taught to pray. But I say unto us tonight, as long as we are in this world, I don't care how long we've been saved. I don't care how much we've grown in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We still need to be taught to pray. We still may learn lessons that will be for our good in this matter of praying. And then the Lord in verses two through four, gave unto his disciples what we have come to call the model prayer. The model prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer, although it is oftentimes called the Lord's Prayer, but we know that there's one petition in this prayer that he could not pray, forgive us our debts. He, he had no debts. He had no sins. But this is a model prayer. We can look at, this, look at this prayer and read this prayer and it will help us to learn to pray, how we should pray. Now, Bishop J.C. Ralph gave three divisions in this model prayer. The first division respects the God we worship, verse 2. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. The first division <coughs> excuse me, respects the God we worship. And we pray to him, first of all, concerning his name. Of course, his name means himself, his being. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We know that's not just calling the name of Jesus is calling upon the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallowed be thy name. The first petition or the first division rather respects the God we worship. We, we come to him as our father and uh, we speak to him concerning his name. And secondly, we speak to him concerning his kingdom. His kingdom, that kingdom come. We know he has a kingdom in this world. And we know also that if we, in reality, in truth, if we may call him, if we may address him as our father, my father, which art in heaven, that means that we have been born again, that we are in this kingdom. Thy kingdom come. So 
We pray concerning his name, hallowed be thy name. We pray concerning the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of God's dear son. In Colossians, the apostle Paul reminds us that we were born into the kingdom of darkness when we came into this world, dead in trespasses and sins, and God translated us. He moved us out of that kingdom. Only God can do that. He moved us out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, it says there in Colossians chapter 1. The son of his love. That's the new birth, isn't it? When a person is born of the Spirit of God and calls upon God, when God gives life, and with that life there's repentance. Everyone who's born of the Spirit of God is given repentance as well as faith. Those are both gifts of God. The natural man cannot produce repentance, even though God commands all men everywhere to repent. The natural man cannot repent. Why? Because he, she loves darkness rather than light. And faith is a gift. It's a gift. All men have a type of faith. There's no question about that, a, a type of faith. But saving faith is a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then we pray not only concerning his name, his kingdom, but his will. Thy will be done on earth, even as it is done in heaven. How is his will done in heaven? Well, it's done immediately. It's done, it's done voluntarily, isn't it? I mean, those in heaven, they delight to do his will. And as soon as his will is expressed, it's done. Here upon earth, men rebel at the will of God. So we pray that will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. And then the second division, according to J.C. Ryle, respects our daily needs, our daily wants. Verses 3 and part of verse 4. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. There are two things that you need every day. There are two things that I need. There are two things that every child of God needs every day. We need our daily bread. Now, that's not just speaking about physical bread that we eat, though we need bread, we need nourishment, but we need water too, don't we? In fact, you can live longer uh, without bread than you can without water. No, give us our daily bread, everything that we have need of today, whatever it is. We look to him to meet our needs. And then the second thing that we need every day is forgiveness. Forgiveness. We never live a day. I know sometimes people think, you're exaggerating, preacher, when you say we always need forgiveness of sins. But I, I don't know about you, but I never pray that I do not ask for forgiveness of sins, do you? You know, there are sins of, of, of ignorance. 
There's sins that we may be guilty of we're not even aware of. If we confess our sins, the Apostle John wrote, and we love this text, don't we? If we confess our sins, he's writing to believers. One time a person told me, after the Lord saved him, he said, I didn't think I'd ever have any more sin. <laughs> he said, I thought I was done with that. But he soon found out that he wasn't. If we say we have no sin, John said we, we call God a liar. Don't we? That's what he says there in 1 John chapter 1. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just he, to forgive us our sins. He forgives our sins in a just way, doesn't he? Not by just sweeping our sins under the rug or something like that. No, he forgives our sins in a just way. That is, Christ paid for our sins. His justice is satisfied by the sacrifice of our Savior. So every day, these two things we have need of. We need our daily bread. We have, we, we're needy creatures. <laughs> That's just true, isn't it? We're needy creatures. All of us are. We need air. We need oxygen. <laughs> we need water. Our needs are great and we look to him to supply those needs and we thank him that he does meet all our needs but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory and then the third division according to J.C. Rollins I really like the way he, he dealt with this that's the reason I'm giving it to all of us here tonight the first division respects the God we worship. The second division respects our daily wants. The third division respects our daily dangers. Our daily dangers. Notice in verse 4, about halfway, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Two things we should be aware of every day. We live in a world of temptation. We do. And we live in a world where the evil one is active. That's what I think that may mean. Deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Remember, Peter tells us he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Deliver us. Then our Lord gave this parable in verses 5 through 8. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Notice these things in this parable. 
Our Lord says, we have a man who is a friend, a friend who asks help for a friend. Do you see that? <laughs> Which of you shall have a friend, he's your friend, and you go to your friend. We have a friend asking help of a friend. Here's a man, he's a friend, and he goes to his friend and he asks help. And then second, we have a friend asking bread for one of his friends. Now, I hope that is very plain when you look at it. I, I hope I'm not making it hard to understand and see. <laughs> Here's a man, he, he, he's called a friend, he goes to his friend, and he asks for his friend, another man, his friend. And then third, we have a friend asking bread for a friend at an inconvenient time. It's midnight. It's midnight. He's already in bed. The door's locked. Children are asleep. A friend's not going to starve before sunrise in just six hours. <laughs> He's not going to die of starvation in this time. And at first, the man, he would not get up. No, no. And that just shows us our selfish nature, doesn't it? There's not any of us in this building, probably, who would not have done the very same thing in the same circumstances. No. Let him wait till sunrise. He'll be okay. He'll be okay. But he did. At first he said no. But then he did arise because of the man's importunity, because he persevered knocking. He kept on knocking and asking. Now think. Think of how this parable might have been different. What if, if, instead of a friend asking for bread, it had been a father asking maybe his son for bread for one of his grandchildren? It would have been different, wouldn't it? Most likely the man would have got up. <laughs> given his father the bread for his grandchildren. This is the point. Our praying, when we pray to our Father, which is in heaven, our praying is altogether different from the circumstances in this parable. Altogether different from the circumstances in this parable. First of all, we're not asking, when we pray, we're not asking someone who is merely a friend. We're asking our Heavenly Father. That's who we're praying to. That's who we're asking. We're not, we're not asking someone who's merely a friend. We're, we are asking someone who has already shown his great love and his great concern for us. I believe that's Paul's reasoning in Roman, that text in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 when he said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? 
we're not asking a person to help us who's merely our friend. We're asking our Father, our Heavenly Father, who's already given His Son that we might be His children, that we might be reconciled unto Him. He's already proven, He's already demonstrated beyond any doubt of His concern, His love for us. Look down in verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? You wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> I know you wouldn't. I don't believe I would. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. If your son came to you and asked for bread, you wouldn't give him a stone. If he asked fish or meat, you wouldn't give him a plate of a served up, covered a serpent. You wouldn't do that. Or if he asked an egg, you wouldn't give him a scorpion. And if you, being evil, and we are, we are, by nature, no one escapes a sinful nature. We're born into this world. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and you do, how much more? I like those verses that say much more, don't you? Romans chapter 5, much more, much more. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? In the parallel passage in Matthew, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask him? So, praying is altogether different from this parable. We're not asking a friend. We're asking our heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father who has already demonstrated beyond any doubt his love and his concern for us in giving his own son that we might be reconciled unto him. Number two, we're not asking at an inconvenient time. Midnight is an inconvenient time to go to somebody's house and ask them to get out of bread and give you get out of bed and give you a loaf of bread. That's an inconvenient time. But we're going to our Father, and there is no inconvenient time with Him. He never slumbers nor sleeps. And He's never weary. Never. And the third thing, we're not asking for something that is too small a matter for Him to be concerned with. If, if it's something that matters to you, if it's something that troubles you as one of his children, you know that he may be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. We're to persevere in asking. That, of course, is the main lesson from the parable. We are to persevere in asking, but we're also given these very encouraging words. Ask. Notice that in verse 9 and 10. Ask. 
This is very encouraging, isn't it? These are the words of our Savior. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I don't know how we could hear any more encouraging words than those. Does this promise, or these, this promise here in verse 9, ask and you shall, and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Does this promise of the Lord have any limitations? Yes. Yes. I know there's at least three limitations limitations to that promise. No, number one, God, and you see this uh, in the text there in verse, uh, verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your father, unto your children, how much more your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. God will only give us what is good for us. He'll only give us what is good for us. You would only give your children what is good for them. How much more? Your Heavenly Father. So yes, there is a limitation. We may ask for something and we may desire it with all our heart, but it might not be good for us. There's a verse in Psalm 84, verse 11, which says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You know, the children of Israel, they asked the Lord for a few things when they were in the wilderness, and God gave them what they asked for. They asked for flesh. God filled the camp with those quails, and while the meat was still in their mouths, God sent a plague among them. They asked for a king later, remember? And God gave them a king, but God sent them sorrow over that king. That's one limitation. God's only going to give us the things we ask that are good for us. And that's what we want, isn't it? We wouldn't want him to give us something that we ask for that's not good for us. And number two, if thou canst believe. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Ask in faith, nothing wavering. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the Apostle James says. And number three, and this is so important, Here's a limitation. God is not going to give you anything that is, that is not his will. 1 John, look over here in 1 John chapter 5. I think this is something that many so-called modern-day Christians are ignorant of. They just believe it's a, they've got a blanket promise to ask anything that they, they could wish 
And if they can get someone to agree with them and pray the same prayer, they just feel like they've obligated God. God now is obligated to give me this. No, no, no. <laughs> You've misunderstood the word of God. He never promised you to give, promised that he would give you something that's not according to his will. Here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. What if we ask for something that is not according to his will? Well, it's very clear. He doesn't hear us. He doesn't hear us. And we know, and if we know that he hears us, that is when we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. We know that. That's one reason it's so important to study the word of God, isn't it? To study the word of God that we may know his will. And when we pray, we take his word to him and, and claim the promise. Lord, this is what you said. It's what you said. Now do it. That's the way Jacob prayed. Lord, you told me to come back. You told me to. And I want to close with this. I, I believe we should read prayers that are recorded in the Word of God to encourage our faith. I said one of the limitations is according to our faith. But our faith, we know, we pray, Lord, increase our faith. But reading various prayers recorded in the Word of God helps us, encourages us in our, in our faith. And I want you to look back with me to Isaiah. I want to look at this prayer here in Isaiah chapter 37 of the king. King Hezekiah. This is one of those times when their back was against the wall, so to speak. An invading army. They had no power. Judah would be overrun immediately. What does Hezekiah do? He went to the Lord in prayer. Verse 15. Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their countries, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord, even thou only. Then look down to verse 35. See how the Lord answered this prayer. 
He said, for I will defend this city to save it from mine own, for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. When we pray, we pray for Christ's sake, don't we? For, for We ask in his name. And God told Hezekiah that he would do this, he would save that city for David's sake. And for Christ's sake, he hears and answers our prayers. And then in the last verse, verse 35, 37, and so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. He heard, heard a rumor, didn't he? And there he, he was encamped outside of Jerusalem, ready to overthrow them. And God sent a word to him, causing him to go back home to Nineveh. And one of his sons murdered Sennacherib. One of his sons killed his own father. God has many ways to answer prayer, doesn't he? He's not limited like we are. Oh, that we, we might pray more. Pray the scriptures. Paul said, pray always. And remember that, that verse when he said, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. That is, pray for the pastor. Pray, pray for missionaries. Think about brother Heller over there in New Guinea tonight. Pray, pray for him that the Lord will give him good success and, and taking care of the work that must be done while he's there. Let us, let us sing and we'll be dismissed. <laughs>